0: Oh hello, it's you again. Always a pleasure to have your company here. Welcome back to the Gallery of Curiosities. I remain, as always, your humble host, Osgood. You're just in time for cocktail hour. I'm making one of my favorites. Eight parts gin. I don't fool around, ladies and gentlemen. One part maraschino liqueur. Two parts lemon juice and. secret ingredient. One part creme de violette. Shake generously. Pour. Garnish with a twist, and... (sighs) tastes like spring. This drink is called the Aviation. The color is most singular. They even made special shakers at one time, shaped like aeroplanes, in which to mix them in. It's considered a forgotten classic these days. Like me, I suppose, fell into obscurity out prohibition, and that was that. Now that we have our drinks, let's have our story, shall we? Tonight's exhibit comes from Marlin Bressy. Mr Bressy is the author of Hairy Men in Caves, true stories of America's most colourful hermits. And creator of the paranormal website journal of the bazaar and if that is not enough to make you want to look him up he was also the runner-up in the 2016 milwaukee paranormal conference national horror fiction contest it will be read for us this evening by mr cb
1: drogi Spirit in the Sky. Lieutenant Benjamin Brooks took one final loving glimpse at his de Havilland DH-4 before softly closing the hangar door and retiring to his suite at the Roosevelt Hotel. Brooks, who served four unspectacular years in Britain's Royal Air Force, felt for the first time in his life that he was on the cusp of achieving something spectacular. In the morning, he would be chasing the biggest prize in aviation, the Ortigue Prize, a $25,000 paycheck for the first aviator to fly from New York to Paris. It was a feat that had been unaccomplished since 1919 when New York millionaire Raymond Ortigue first announced the prize. Lieutenant Brooks, however, felt that it was his destiny to become the first person to fly across the Atlantic. After all, Aviation was in his blood. His father, Warren Ace Brooks, was a hero of sorts during the First World War, having pioneered the use of the Zeppelin in bombing raids for the Royal Flying Corps. Even though his father met his demise at the hands of the dreaded German Jagdgeschwader over France, Lieutenant Brooks refused to give up flying. Unfortunately, the death of his father led Benjamin to be quite superstitious. Benjamin's first attempt at the Orteague Prize was thwarted one year earlier in 1926 when a spiritualist sent him a letter pleading for him to reconsider his mission, stating that she had received a warning from beyond. Lieutenant Brooks, after some deliberation, abandoned his chase of the prize. But he would not be thwarted this year, he kept telling himself. Gypsies and fortune tellers be damned. Only the very voice of God could prevent him from climbing into his de Havilland DH-4 and setting sail across the sky. Inside his suite at the Roosevelt, the silence of night was shattered by the ringing of a telephone. The weary aviator grumbled, knowing that it was probably just another well-wisher. Before Lieutenant Brooks had an opportunity to speak, an eerie disjointed voice moaned through the receiver. Benjamin thought it sounded like a man speaking into the whirling blades of an electric fan. Who is this? demanded Lieutenant Brooks. It's your father, hissed the mysterious voice. Ace! That's absurd, replied Benjamin. His father had been dead since 1918. Suddenly aware that he had probably fallen into the snare of a prankster, he decided to ask the speaker from where he was calling. "'Somewhere just outside heaven,' replied the night caller. "'Maybe that was just a lucky guess,' thought Benjamin. "'But how would any American know about a deceased "'and relatively obscure World War I British airman?' "'Ben, you must not fly tomorrow,' pleaded the voice. "'The sky will hurl you back to Earth "'in a million fiery pieces.'" The lieutenant was now almost certain that he had a prankster on the end of the line. Rather than hang up the night caller, however, he decided to ask a question that only an experienced aviator or his father himself would know the answer to. "'If you are my father, then tell me, "'what in the name of Wilbur Wright am I doing in an outdated war era de Havilland? "'She's just a... "'A two-seated biplane!' interrupted the mysterious caller." with a 380 horsepower Rolls-Royce engine. You chose the DH-4 because it was the same plane I had flown in the war. When you were a young lad, I would always tell you what a magnificent machine the DH-4 was. True, but the American version? The American version of the DH-4 was built with a 400 horsepower Liberty L-12 engine. That's remarkable exclaimed Benjamin. "'How... how could you possibly know that? The Americans didn't have their own DH-4 until... two months after I died!' groaned the caller. "'I told you that it was me, Benjamin.' "'Why does your voice sound so strange?' "'It takes an enormous amount of energy to come back to the material plane,' explained Ace. "'Which is why so few of us are able to speak to the living.' But it is possible for us to come back in order to give a warning to loved ones. Dad, what is heaven like? Asked the mystified young aviator. Remember the way you felt the first time your plane left the ground? Heaven feels like that, all of the time. Some people think flying is a way to play God, but the truth as the man flies in order to get closer to God. After a moment of silence, the gloomy voice added, And anyone foolish enough to think he can fly a war relic like the DH-4 across the Atlantic is bound to meet his maker directly. Then why should I fear death? asked Benjamin. Why should I not fly tomorrow? Benjamin, explained Ace, a man should not fear death but a man must not be in a rush to embrace it either. Look, son, the Ortigue Prize has never been claimed, so what harm will it do to wait one more day? Do you not hear the rain outside your window? Wait until Saturday, son, and the storm shall pass. As you wish, father, replied Benjamin. The caller explained that, Since his work was done, he had to return to the spiritual realm. He wished his son well and said that he was proud of him. Lieutenant Brooks returned the phone to its cradle and quickly drifted off to sleep. Inside of a gray airplane hangar a few miles away, a cord was pulled from the wall socket and an electric fan blade whirled to a stop. "'You son of a bitch!' laughed a man in a yellow raincoat. "'I can't believe you pulled it off!' He really is a superstitious fool, isn't he? With Brooks out of the way, that twenty-five grand is as good as in the bank. Your plane is finally ready to go, said a grease-stained mechanic, who pointed a wrench toward a sleek new monoplane with the name Spirit of St. Louis emblazed on the nose. Mr. Lindbergh stood up, walked over to the hangar door, and gazed upon the wakening dawn peeking over the horizon through the quickly dissipating morning drizzle. He could tell that it was going to be a wonderful day.
0: Our narrator, C.B. Drogi, is also the host of the weekly Flash Fiction podcast by Metta Walker Studio. Learn more at cbdrogey.com. Now, let's talk about story submissions. The mailroom will be open for the first three weeks in October. That is, October 1st through the 21st. In addition to the usual fare, there will be some... Particular things that the editors will be looking for this time around. So, writers, listen up. We will need to fill the next two issues of our print and ebook magazine, Curiosities. The Autumn edition is reserved for early 20th century themes. Dieselpunk, if you will, though I prefer to think of it as the age of jazz and art deco. I remember it well. Mm. That issue is about two thirds full already, as is the following midwinter issue, which will be themed for dread and horror. Sounds like my wedding night. While our stories do tend to lean toward the dark side, we've been holding back a little and saving these stories for the darkest days of the year. And you may also be interested to know that we have not yet bought a holiday story for December. We only take email submissions and do insist that you anonymize your manuscript before sending it. No names, no contact information. We don't like long cover letters, however. If you would give us a yes or no as to whether or not you want feedback in the case of a rejection, that would be splendid. One cannot learn much from a form letter, but I do appreciate that some prefer to keep the pain as brief as possible. Ah, Kevin has a bad heart. I know, I found it myself. For full guidelines, visit gallerycurious.com fiction. We do look forward to reading you. That's all I have for now, so I do believe it's time for us to close shop for the evening. You have your manuscripts to get in order, and I must prepare my special exhibits for next month, October is the most wonderful time of the year. Don't you agree? Do visit us next time at the Gallery of Curiosities. gallery of curiosities is produced under creative commons international 4.0 non-commercial attribution no derivatives license that means don't sell it change it or make a trance i forget it if you like our stories rate and review us online it makes my black little heart a little less so this episode was produced in september of 2018 For full show notes, visit us on the web at gallerycurious.com. Never been a sinner. I've never sinned. I've got a friend in Jesus. (laughs) Of course I do. When I die and they lay me to rest... I'm gonna go to the place that's best, go to the place there, Stedman, Stedman, you're always the best, from Portland, Oregon to Portland, Maine, another round, please, and
1: don't hold back on that gin, there's a good man.